rather you live your life in vanity You traded all your hopes and dreams for insanity I'm Father Harry Dean, a priest of the Diocese of Austin, and I'm joined today by Deacon Ronnie Lostavica, our coordinator of pastoral care for the restorative justice ministry in the Diocese of Austin, who serves the many prison units in the city of Gatesville, Texas, and a longtime friend of our program, Renee Brown, who is a licensed professional counselor. And today we begin the first in a three-segment series on finding happiness, finding happiness. And of course, we all know and believe that our ultimate and deepest happiness is in the finding of God. But as we address this from the human, emotional, and psychological realm, we keep that in the background. Uh, But Deacon Ronnie, let me uh, toss it to you. Renee, to start us off, how can people build genuine and lasting, long-lasting happiness? Uh, so in our conversations about happiness um, in our last segment, this is going to tie in beautifully with um, building happiness. Part of building happiness is dependent upon strengths, which we've talked about. And so I want to share just a quick activity um, that's strengths-based. This is a quick activity. Get your pencil and paper out. Write this down. You don't get to choose the deck of cards you are dealt in life. You only get to choose how you play with them. And so think about the following. And this this activity comes from positive psychology, you guys. What is the best way to play the hand I've been dealt? Okay. Now, I know you're incarcerated. You feel like, hey, I've been, I've been dealt this bad hand. Of course, choices play into this, but I want you to think about this. And then what strengths are going to help you through this challenge? What what strengths do you possess that are going to get you through the challenge of being incarcerated? What strengths might I develop as I go through this difficult time? So there could be some strengths that you don't have, but we've given you list, strengths list. Think about that list. What do you need to develop to get through this, this hard time, the cards you've been dealt? Maybe you need to grow in wisdom. Maybe you need to grow in faith. Maybe you need to grow in those relationships, especially that relationship with God, which is at the core of all of our relationships. And then how can I grow and learn from this experience? You know, hopefully while incarcerated, you can, you know, take some time and daily reflection and and maybe look at some of the challenges, uh, choices, some of your behaviors. Look at all of those things, your relationships, your relationship with God your values, look at all that and, and, and grow from this experience of being incarcerated in that way. Okay. So we're going to move on to that from that. And we're going to talk about some, some uh, specific things that you guys can do to build happiness. Right. So when you're thinking about uh, each person has a baseline for happiness and we're not going to feel happy all the time, um, part of life is there's going to be challenges, there's going to be difficulties, uh, there's going to be suffering. That is life. But there's also happiness, and everybody's got this baseline for happiness that we can quickly return to if we choose to. And so sustained happiness, though, takes some work. Um, so here's some exercises that you guys can do to kind of help you build genuine, long-lasting happiness. And the very first one is one of my favorites, gratitude. 
gratitude, being thankful goes such a long way. Um, Every day I try to come up with at least three things that I'm grateful for. Um, And so one of the activities that you could do is write, and this says, funny I said that because it says write down three things that you're grateful for each day. And you could do that in the morning, like get up. I like to do it the first time. First thing when I get up, and I also like to end the day that way because sometimes the day can be challenging and then I forget some of the things that I'm grateful for. So what I like to do is go back at the end of the day and circle back and find some things that maybe I didn't think of in the morning Um, and maybe just jot it down on paper. Maybe you want to keep a gratitude journal. That could be helpful. Um, Writing gratitudes, it's going to help you to kind of identify those positive aspects of your day, even on the worst days, even on your very worst days, there is something to be grateful for. Um, Acts of kindness. This is another exercise that you can practice. You know, making a conscious effort to do something nice for somebody for no reason, just because you want to do something nice. I realize that, you know, incarcerated people, that can be a little tricky because you don't want to feel like you're being taken advantage of or you're the easy target or something. But, um, I mean, grab the phone and call your mom or call somebody, you, your kids or something like that. You know, maybe draw them a picture, send it in the mail, figure out something, acts of kindness. Exercise is so helpful for happiness. It's something I've been trying to work on lately. I'm not always the most consistent with exercise, but there are so many positive effects from exercise. It boosts the immune system. Um, It kind of stimulates brain growth. So any way that you can get exercise, if I remember correctly, when my daughter was incarcerated, I think they could go for, she could go for walks and things like that. I mean, I don't think there was a gym or anything where she was at, but definitely there was a track or something that they walked on. And so I would encourage you. And as a matter of fact, counselors, we always say that, that walking is the best thing for anxiety. So exercise promotes happiness. Meditation So we're going to talk more in depth in a later segment about meditation um, because meditation for a lot of people is very challenging. You really have to work on quieting the mind for meditation, but there's so many great benefits um, when you can still your mind and be meditative for a while. um, It creates, um, it kind of stimulates the brain cells, so to speak, that create happiness Positive journaling, and I know that journaling is so hard. We've talked about this before. There could be, you know, if you're incarcerated, there could be people that would want to read your journal. So totally understand if that's not doable. But for people that are listening to this that are outside of prison, I mean, journaling is such a great experience. Most of my clients do journal. They learn so much from journaling about the way they feel, what they're thinking, about their behaviors, Just writing stuff down and putting it on paper can go a long way. Um, Maybe write about the positive experiences you're having in your life. You know, if you go to a movie, if you're out with a friend, you know, write about that. Write about those experiences. Positive journaling um, can help you focus on some of the positive things that you're experiencing in life. And let's face it, when you're being positive and you're focusing on positive, that's going to create happiness. And then the last thing on here is listed as fostering relationships. Y'all, we've talked about relationships in a few segments now. You know, I'm hoping that you're understanding that relationships are at the core of everything we do. Father Harry said it brilliantly that 
um, or maybe it was Deacon Ronnie. What, they're both brilliant, so it could have been either one of y'all, y'all. But at the core of relationships is God. He is at the core of all of our relationships. And so when you think about like having strong social connections, um, that has a huge influence over our mood. Those social connections, your relationships with others, um, those who are dedicated to spending time with friends um, and family are often in research shown to have a higher level of happiness than others. I think where it gets murky with that is you have to be able to differentiate between toxic people in your life and the good, positive people in your life. Sometimes we hold on to people because of their title. And by title, I mean mother, father, sister, brother, uncle, aunt. If these people are toxic, I don't care what title you've given them, they are not going to increase your happiness. They're only going to bring you down. And so making sure you can differentiate that. Um, if you can't see your loved ones every day, and we know that, I mean, and sometimes when you're incarcerated, people can't make that trip all the time to see you. If you're able to email them, have phone calls, that can be that way to be connected uh, with your family and friends. You're connected to relationships, and that's the way you foster them. You may not see somebody in person, but a phone call and an email can, can do a lot to foster that relationship. And especially if you have children. If you are incarcerated and you have children, I think it is critical that you are communicating with your baby via email or via phone call. I'm working with a kiddo right now and her father is incarcerated and she experiences so much sadness because he's away from her. And so she was sharing with me the other day with the tablet thing that now they can email each other back and forth. And of course, the emails are being read. That's cool. But at least now she's starting to feel like she's more connected to him because wherever he's at, he's far away from where she's at. So they don't get to see each other, but maybe a couple of times a year. And so the email has been really helpful for her. Renee, what are some exercises one can use to promote gratitude in their life? Ooh, so we already know I love the gratitude part. So here's some exercises for gratitude. Y'all, I have to tell you, the first thing I do when I get up in the morning is I thank God for just being alive and waking up. And that's because I almost died several in childbirth. And so for me, just that gift of life every day, that is something to be thankful for. That is something that is probably my number one piece of gratitude. But here's some exercises. Gratitude <clears throat> also, in case you need some clarification, gratitude just means that you're appreciating the good things in your life. And it can be small things. I mean, we have a tendency, I think, to, to um, think about the big things. But, y'all, it could be something that's seemingly small. Those are things that you can show gratitude. And you want to try to make the practice of gratitude regular. That's why if you can do it on a daily basis, it's going to help you increase your self-esteem. It's going to help you build up more confidence. Um, and it can even play into your, that gratitude is actually a strength. So you're actually increasing a strength there as well. So a gratitude journal, we talked about that just a few minutes ago. Um, spending time every day um, think, uh, just journaling about the things that you are grateful for. Um, giving thanks, thanking people, you know, it could be a friend, it can be God, but giving thanks to people verbally written. I love to write thank you notes. I'm the queen of a thank you note. Um, my friends are always like, I know if I get something in the mail, it's from Renee, you know, because I love that. 
Um, and I think it's so important, too, because that, that shows people that we appreciate them. And appreciation is also a strength when we can show appreciation for others. Um, mindfulness walk. I think this one's really interesting, and we're going to actually talk about mindfulness a little later. But what this means is when you're walking, sometimes we just walk to walk and we're all in our head. But what if you did a mindfulness walk where you're walking and you're really taking in your surroundings and realizing that you're walking at a prison, I know is challenging, but there's trees probably off in the distance. There's a sky above you. There are birds flying around, maybe butterflies. There are things to look at. I know the uh, prison where Tierney was incarcerated at across the street, there were horses, you know, at somebody's uh, home or ranch, whatever they considered that to be. And one of her favorite things, because she loves horses and she used to ride when she would be walking outside, she would be looking at the horses. Now, I would tell her, be careful. Don't run over anybody in front of you when you're doing that. But, you know, that was a great. So a mindfulness walk just means you're you're being aware of your surroundings. Does the air feel cool? Does the air feel hot? You know, what are the sensations? What are the smells? What smells do you notice? You know, what are the sounds that you're hearing? Did a plane go overhead? So you're very in mindfulness of your surroundings. A gratitude letter. You know, I shared with you just a few seconds ago, I love to send thank you cards. But what about a letter of gratitude to people? You know, I can remember Tierney would write me a lot when she was incarcerated. And one of the letters that stuck out to me, and I have all of her letters, but one in particular, it was a gratitude letter because literally I would take my grandson every other weekend to see her. And she was just thanking me for taking not just my gas or bring, but my time, you know, I would have to go to Dallas, pick him up. He would be with me. We would go see her on Sunday. Then I would take him back home to Dallas. And I lived, you know, down near Austin. And so she appreciated and wrote me this beautiful letter of gratitude for everything that I was doing for her and for him, because anything I do for him is also for her. Let me uh, add on to that particular one, because letter writing is big in the the view of a lot of our incarcerated flock and for their families as well. But it can also be a very sore spot Mm. in the ongoing relationship between the incarcerated and their families outside. So a dynamic that's fairly frequent is I'm incarcerated. I write a letter to my family. I expect a letter in return because Mm. I wrote one and it doesn't come. And I fume and I fuss and I start to allow that to grow into an ever greater source of resentment to by the time that they do write me, I don't receive it well or I don't even regard it at all. And the next time I write, uh, I write out of retaliation instead of out of any sense of gratitude. So for those of us who have family that are incarcerated, that's something to know the importance of Mm -hmm. receiving letters uh, by those who are incarcerated, but for for our friends who in, in flock who are are incarcerated, to realize that whenever we do write those letters, it's not always a best practice to vent on them and to say, "Hey, I'm disappointed in your performance with me as an outside family member. I'm stuck in here. I'm limited. You're mm-hmm. outside. You're free." Well, we all have to understand where our rhythms of life are at, and that gets back to that empathy point that we touched on in, in, in previous uh, segments, to, to just say, whenever I write, 
I'm going to write positive. I'm going to write for happiness. I'm going to write because I'm trying to to be a God bringer in the Mm -hmm. life of the other person, even if I am genuinely experiencing disappointment that I'm the only one that seems to be doing the writing around here. Maybe my family members in in a bad way. Maybe it's painful for them to write me because it brings up a, a thought about themselves that, where they blame themselves for me being incarcerated, all of those kinds of dynamics. So the, the writing is a beautiful thing, but let's all parties involved understand that it, it primarily we want it to be an instrument of bringing about that happiness that's connected to God. I think that's a wonderful point, Father Harry. I mean, I can remember um, <clears throat> when my son was incarcerated, he would get really irritated if I didn't write right back. And, you know, and I would remind him, like, dude, I'm working. I'm going to school. You know, I help care for, you know, my grandson. Like, I don't always have the time that I can sit back immediately and write a letter. So I think it is about, you know, looking at letter writing from that positive view and what it's meant to give. Right. You know, it is a matter of giving. It's not so much of what I'm what receiving I'm, back. What I'm receiving. Right? An yeah. expectation because I think when we, we, we tie ourselves to what am I getting from this, you're always going to come up short. You're going to be disappointed. I speak to that, particularly when loved ones, we've got a phone call, it's come into the unit and, and they've, there's been a major surgery in the family or someone said, well, uh, I didn't hear from them. Well, you're not. They're sick. They're in the hospital. I don't know about you, but when I'm sick, the last thing I'm probably into is letter writing. I'm not, I'm not exactly. very good about anything except just trying to get to feeling better. Um, one of the things I say, that instead of fretting about the fact that you haven't received a letter from them, pray for them. You know, let's go and do something for them where you are here. Or if they if they're sick and they they're not going to even feel like praying, you become their prayer. You become someone mm. who prays for them in that absence of so. I mean, there's many things of just redirecting uh, yes. and trying to put that back into a proper perspective of of that other centeredness that we can be a help for. for Absolutely, and and just kind of reframing things. Yes. you know. Absolutely. The last thing on this list, too, is gratitude conversation. And I think this is so important because, once again, like I said in another segment, we get, as humans, the negativity sometimes, you know, that's what comes to us first. But gratitude conversation, I mean, I don't know, Father Harry, but this kind of makes me think of the gratitude letter writing, too, is when you're doing phone calls, right? Like, I can remember— I. I get on the phone, you know, before with my son, and it's just constant complaining. Oh, my case, this, that, or no, I'm fighting with this dude in here. This person said that. I mean, what would it be like if you're on the phone with your loved one, it, that it's a gratitude conversation? Oh, wow, thanks for putting 20 bucks on my, my commissary or whatever. Or, you know, thank you for caring for my kiddo while I'm incarcerated, you know, or just loving me, praying for me. You know, what about a conversation of gratitude? And even among yourselves, right? It's so easy to get caught up in the negativity. But what about the things that you're grateful for? I mean, there are things to be grateful for. When I would talk to my daughter, I mean, she was grateful that she had a job when she was in prison because there was a sense of freedom in that. Even though she's incarcerated, there was a freedom that she could go out and weed eat and she could be productive and she had her purpose and an increased self-esteem. So gratitude conversation is important too because we can talk and whine all day about everything that's going wrong or this isn't right or whatever. 
let's reframe that. I'm not talking about the negative stuff today. I'm not talking about all the things going wrong because we already know that. But let's talk about and focus on the things that are going well. What am I grateful for? And sometimes it's the small things. I read a book a few years ago. And in the book, the premise of the book is the lady's dying of cancer. And she, and I think it's called like a thousand small things, something like that. But what she learns through her experience is it's about being grateful for the small things. And so some examples that she came up with, she was washing dishes. And, and the bubbles that the liquid soap made, that's something to be thankful for because there's beauty in bubbles and they're fun. Or she would hear the her children running on the wood floor, you know. So sometimes it doesn't have to be, oh, I got a letter or it doesn't have to be, I got a new car. Sometimes the simple things are the things that you can be grateful for. I have a plant that's actually surviving this summer heat. And I'm thankful for that. Every day I check on this this plant. And it's still thriving and doing well. And that's something that I'm grateful for. So you can find gratefulness in small things. Renee, what are some techniques or tips that people can utilize to demonstrate gratitude in their relationships? Sure. So this is kind of another list. It's from therapist uh, uh, a.com. Um, I love this list. I came across it the other day and give compliments. So that was one of the things is giving compliments. You know, remember to compliment people, compliment your children, your loved ones, your partner. You could even compliment yourself. Um, But that's great. Complimenting, you know, anyone around you, Um, showing interest in their life. I think sometimes we get really caught up in talking about our own life and we forget that in relationships, we need to show interest in somebody else's life. You know, how was your day? How it was it going? You know, trying to figure out maybe what it was like for them. You may, may not be able to do that whole empathy thing, but kind of working towards it can be really helpful. All of those things to me show gratitude to somebody, surprising them, you know, maybe planning an outing or giving a small gift or, um, you know, like I like to write notes to somebody. That, uh, last week, my grandson was visiting And I had bought him a package of candy, and it was up in the cabinet. And I created almost like a treasure hunt to find the candy. It it took me two seconds. I mean, well, not two seconds, but about five minutes. So he had to go to the dryer. And in the dryer, there's something else. And then there's something else. And it was a surprise to him. He didn't know he had the candy. And then the way he got to get his candy, he thought this was so fun. It had him going all over my house, outside, all the clues. And at the end, he gets it. So surprises. Help people relax. You know, help people to calm down. If they're having a stressful day, maybe do some relaxation with them. Um, if if you're in the outside world, you know, maybe draw in a bath for somebody. One of my favorite things to do uh, with my kids when they were young, um, I would put their towel in the dryer. And when they got out of the bathtub, they had a warm towel, and that would help them relax. Um, you know, do chores. Be well-mannered. If you're in a partnership, maybe give your partner an evening off. You know, hey, why don't you go have a coffee and I'll watch the kids or something like that. And um, trying to be uh, mindful of body language. I had a client the other day that she was assuming a whole lot from her partner's body language. And I'm like, well, do you think maybe he was tired? And so she's like, I didn't think about that. And so I was like, well, what, how about if you go back and say, hey, what did this body you know, language mean? And then, you know, maybe praise him like, you know, thank you for working so hard at work. I really appreciate that. And that's going to go a long way. So that's just some of the the gratitude tips that were on here. I am always about 
thanking people for things. Um, you know, if somebody does something for me, you know, I'll tell them thank you. I'll send them a note, you know, whatever that looks like. Like last night, my sister was like, I said, I saw 11 clients yesterday. It was a little challenging. So she called me midday. She goes, hey, do you want to come over for dinner? I said, there's no way. I'm working till nine. So she, I went by her house and she had set me up with a whole meal to go. Right. And I was so thankful for that. So um, just a few things to help relationships. Yeah. Well, Deacon Ronnie, you know, as Renee's on this you know, litany of things to which we can be uh, grateful for, I want to ask you to talk or begin our conversation about being uh, having gratitude to God. Sure. I think uh, part of our, uh, in our tradition, uh, praising God and thanking God is first and foremost in, in our um, discipline of prayer. So we should always be grateful uh, to uh, the many things that God has uh, given to us, extended to us. And that's, I think that's, again, that's a, it's an other-centered position. I mean, we come to God in, in gratitude and thanks, thanking Him for the gift of life and the sacredness that each life holds. But all those many things that we see, I think that, again, uh, it's easy for us to get uh, perhaps sometimes caught in our busyness of being uh, just the busyness of the day. But when we can uh, be mindful of, of what's there, um, it can extend that, that, that thanking God now extends into thanking others. Think about in the units, but breakfast begins at 3, 3.30 in the morning. Well, if someone's in that kitchen that night preparing that, that meal for you, um, that's a gratitude. I mean, you, mm-hmm. it didn't just show up on that tray. I mean, or you didn't walk into that dining facility and it just happened. Uh, there was someone involved in that. And so we can be grateful even if that, we don't even know that inmate's name or that uh, the dining facility officer's name. We can be grateful to him or her for, for what they've done for us. So just that practice of thanking God uh, will uh, flow naturally into thanking others. And I would want to expand on that to thanking God, not just for the things that I asked for uh, or that I expected to come to me from God or that I'm necessarily joyful about, but beginning the practice of thanking God for the things that at least on the first glance are not what I would have preferred. Sure. How many times have we uh, had a comment come to us, particularly uh, for someone who uh, realizes that if it wasn't for me being arrested, if it wasn't for me being sentenced and sent to prison, I would be dead. Uh, There's that uh, awareness that this is a blessing. Mm -hmm. Uh, as, As difficult, as austere as it may sound to us, and as hard as it is, and not making light of any of that journey, it has been a blessing. And so we can we give thanks to God for that. What seems to be a bad is now a good. And for those of us on the outside who have never experienced the incarcerated life, and when I say that, I'm certainly referring initially to the day-in and day-out reality of living in a prison institution or jail institution, but I'm also talking about what gets people there. Uh, the pre-life leading up to a committal of crime, uh, the whole jurisprudence process that a person goes through. There's a lot of stripping away of of my personal sense of worth because I'm being told by a court, this is the terrible person I am because of the terrible act that I committed. And now I'm sitting in prison and day in and day out, um, I've, I've got that. A lot of us on the outside have never really had to go through something like that. We've made errors. We've had to do some soul searching about the mistakes that we've made, things of that nature. But we haven't had the society tell us 
that this is the category of person that we are. We're a bad person. We're a criminal. Uh, we're somebody who needs to be isolated away from society. And while all of those things may be true, just having a sense uh, of being grateful for the reality of our lives not being there, not having had the things of life happen to us or us respond in the way of bad decision making that was so bad that it put us in prison to allow ourselves to have a sense of gratitude for that and then share that with people on the inside, even for, through prayer, that they can aspire to that life for themselves as well, where they won't make bad decisions again, where they can leave those things behind, where they can come back out and be seen as esteemed members of a, of a society. And I wanted to turn to St. Augustine uh, to lead us in our closing prayer here as we begin and, uh, and conclude this first segment of three in finding happiness. Great are you, O Lord, and exceedingly worthy of praise. Your power is immense and your wisdom beyond reckoning. And so we who are men who are a due part of your creation long to praise you. We also carry our mortality about with us, carry the evidence of our sin, and with it the proof that you thwart the proud. You arouse us so that praising you may bring us joy, because you have made us and drawn us to yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Brother, if you walk with me, brother, 